0: Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alameen, Wassalatu Wassalam, Ala Abdullahi Wara Sulih, Nabiyina Muhammadin Wa Ala Alihi, Wassahbihi Ajma'in Amma Ba'at. We begin in the name of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, the Most Merciful, the Bestower of Mercy, praising Him, sending peace and blessings and salutations upon our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and upon his family and his companions. So I would like to start by welcoming you all to another Friday Night Reflections. The second time we have been in this beautiful new location, in this masjid. We hold this class every other week, there or thereabouts. Actually, we hold it every second and every fourth Friday. And so usually we, you know, hold a week, miss a week. And so we missed last week, actually last week we have a class in Masjid al-Samad, which is in towards the other end of Dubai, Dubai Springs. And then we alternate it with this class which we have here. And as you guys know who attended last week, we have been talking about a series of topics on a single theme. And the theme that we've been talking about is the theme قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ And this theme, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ This theme is all about the believers, they are successful. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not been a tafsir. We haven't done a tafsir of Surah Al-Mu'minun. But it's been, if you like, Perhaps we will call them Waqafat, you know, like just points, mm-hmm. places we stop. And we think about some of the benefits of this Surah, Surah muminun And we've spoken about so many topics. But I promise you, that when we came to the end of all of our topics, as we did last week, then there is one topic remaining which we haven't spoken about. الَّذِينَ يَرِيثُونَ الْفِرْدَوْسَهُمْ fiha خَالِدُونَ Because there was a purpose behind us explaining all of these things in Surah Al-Mu'minun. Effectively, what these descriptions give us is that they give us a description of the people who will eventually inherit Jannatul Firdaus. The people who will eventually achieve that paradise that all of us want to achieve their description, or at least a part of their description, is present in Surah Al-Mu'minun. And then Allah Azza wa tells us by way of encouragement, al Those who will inherit Al-Firdaus. Those people who will be the people when all is said and done, when the ram is killed in between Jannah and the hellfire, and Allah Azza wa turns to the people and he says or that a voice calls out and says bila that you're going to be living in there forever and there is not going to be any death that they will be living in it forever and since this is our utmost aim this is our achievement that we want to get we want to achieve this paradise this is what we are striving for in this, let the people who are seeking and striving and trying to achieve something, let them try for this. This is something which is worth your effort. So it seemed to me that it's appropriate for us in this sitting just to describe a little bit, and it only will be a little bit because we don't have enough time, but to describe a little bit about this paradise that we are aiming for. This paradise which is the incentive that we are striving towards and aiming towards and hoping for and praying for and that we are doing all of these deeds in order to achieve, what is it? What's there? What is the, the best of its blessings? What is, because you know especially coming from The background that I come from you know I came from a Christian background and you know if you ask a Christian what is in paradise they will just say I don't know just paradise and if you push them a lot they might say prayer meetings and songs and you say to them okay but what is in paradise you're going to be in paradise for an eternity an eternity, forever and ever and ever. خُلُودٌ بِلَا موت, Life without any death. So tell me something which is in this paradise that's gonna make me really want to go there. And they kind of look at you and say, it's just as it is. But that's not how Islam describes paradise to us. For us, paradise is described with the most beautiful description and the most detailed description. And in some of this, I'm going to refer to Ibn al-Qayyim he has a beautiful poem and it's really quite long in the description of the people of Jannah and how they are and their places and how their description is and where they will live and what they will do. It's this kind of detail that exists in Islam that really doesn't exist anywhere else. If somebody asks you, okay, go on, you've told me if I accept Islam, I will be given Jannah. Okay, tell me what is Jannah? What should I, why should I be so excited? Sell it to me. Sell me this image of Jannah. Sell me this picture of Jannah so that I really have this burning desire to want to go there. And you should have a burning desire to want to go there. And I know that might sound strange, and some of you might say, well, surely all of us do. But not everybody. Some people have a mistaken impression. They say, you know, the only thing that we want is just Allah to love us. And we don't really want Jannah. We don't fear Jahannam. No. This is not how the prophets and the pious people, this is not how they used to be. They did not like used to be from those people who said, we're not interested in Jannah, we're not scared of Jahannam, we just want to do everything because we love Allah. Of course you act because you love Allah, but you still desire Jannah. And this is how the companions used to be, this is how Allah told us to be. These mention of Jannah and its paradise and its blessings and its good, is all there to motivate you to want it. How did the prophets used to be? How did they used to be? How does Allah Aj describe them in terms of their, you know, how sort of a summary of how they used to be? Innahum kana yusari'oon fi alkhayrat, w yid'oonana raqaban warahaba, wa kana In Surah Al-Anbiya, if I'm not mistaken, Allah describes them like this. They used to yusari'oon fil khayrat. They used to rush one another, chase one another, race one another, to get what? For these good deeds. And they used to call upon Allah, raghaban wa rahaba. And this is the shahid here. This is what I'm trying to inform you. Raghaban wa rahaba. Hoping for Jannah. Fearing Jahannam hoping for what was with Allah, being scared of what might happen to them if they disobey Allah. This is the situation of the mu'min. The mu'min is not the one who says, that doesn't concern me, I'll go wherever Allah puts me. That's not the situation, that's not ulul himmah. And this is something that you know, subhanallah, I feel many times we are missing as Muslims in this day and age we're missing we're missing this desire for something better you know if you ask someone about Jannah they say yeah I want Jannah you know I just hope Allah will put me there among the last of the people you know I wish to be the last man to enter Jannah the last man who enters Jannah Ibn Qayyim ta'ala, in his poetry he mentions he will be given ten times the earth and whatever is in it it's enough huh Don't make me, I don't need anything else. This is not the situation of the believer. The situation of the believer is that you want the best of the best. Why? Because who are you or whom are you asking it from? You are not asking it from someone who has a limit to what they can give you. You're not asking somebody who is limited who only has you know like when you ask your mom and dad and you know you say mom just come on give me give me a hundred dirhams please I'll never ask you again just a hundred dirhams and I I won't ask you ever again hundred dirhams wallah give it to me that's because you're asking somebody who has a limit to what they can give you their generosity has a limit their wealth has a limit how about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is no limit to his generosity there is no limit to His mercy. There is no limit to His, the things that He has. This dominion, His mulk. There is no limit to this. There is, it's not like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala runs out of things to give you. Never. So don't ask Allah as though He does. Ask Allah knowing that He can give you and give everybody else and it would not take away from His dominion except like the bird that puts its beak into the sea. Does the sea decrease when the bird puts its beak into the sea? No. The sea doesn't decrease anything. The dominion of Allah doesn't decrease when He gives you and you and you and you and you. So a part of this description of Jannah that we're going to talk about is I want you to want the best of the best. And what is the best of the best? The best of the best is al-firdaws It is in the center of paradise and the highest place of paradise and the rivers of paradise come out from it and we're coming to those in a minute. We're getting there, little bit by little bit. But before all of that, just to have that desire. You know when you hear this hadith, of seventy thousand people who will enter paradise, how? Without hisab and wala adab, no hisab, no adab, no account, no punishment. From the first time, with the first group of people who enter paradise, after the prophets enter paradise, after the messengers, Aisha alayhissallam enters paradise. The first of our ummah, Abu Bakr anhu enters paradise, and Umar and those who came after them. The first group. The, the people who don't go, they don't have a diversion. They go straight. You know, they don't, they don't go left and they don't go right. They just go straight down the road, straight to Jannah. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned 70,000 of them. How do you feel when you hear that number? 70,000. You know, just, you probably get a thousand people just in this masjid in Juma. 70,000 in the history of Islam. Do you feel like you could be one of them? Inshallah. And that is the attitude that we want you to have. And then don't worry, because there is another hadith, which with each of the 70,000, there are 70,000 more. And there is another hadith, on top of that, which with each of them, there is 70,000 more. But even if you didn't know about that second hadith, you should want to be from them. You shouldn't want to be and say, well, you know, if I'm the last person that enters paradise, oh Allah, give me paradise, you know, anything, I'll take what I can get. Because this shows a lack of knowing Allah. You don't know who you're asking. You know, you're not asking somebody who has a limit to what he can give you. So don't stop. Don't stop. Ask to be from the 70,000. Ask to be from the people of Jannah al-Fidda al-A'la. Ask to be from the people who... Enter paradise in the first group. Ask to be from the people who have no punishment. Ask from the, don't be frightened to ask because you're asking the one who asking him is an ibadah. It's not just an ibadah. It is one of the most, if not the most beloved form of ibadah that you can do. That you beg Allah, you ask Allah, you lower yourself, you humble yourself before Allah, knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give you. And that's just an introduction to why you should be so interested about this topic of describing paradise. And again, you know, we're just going to pick parts of it. But I don't want to start with paradise, believe it or not. I want to start by just talking about this dunya. Because you know, subhanallah, we are living here in the Emirates and, you know, in Dubai especially. People have a very nice life. You know, generally, I'm not saying everybody. You know, it's a very, a very, a mixed bag. But in general, compare the standard of living here in Dubai to the rest of the world, and you'd be hard pressed to find very many places that have a higher standard of living than here. Generally, across the board, it has a high standard of living. People generally get a reasonable amount of money, they spend it, they enjoy themselves. And sometimes what you need to do is you need to shatter the the picture. You need to break the image away from people that people have. And I just want to read you just for a second what Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala said about this dunya, Dubai included, I mean everything in the world included. I want you to to, to read you what Ibn al-Qayyim said. I'm just going to pick up A couple of pieces. Ibn al Qayyim said, Sijunun yadiqu bi sahib al Imani lakin jannatul ma'wa li dil kufrani. He said, This is a prison that the person of Iman yadiq, he feels like he's trapped in it. But what about the person of kufr? What about the person who doesn't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Jannatul ma'wah. It's their final paradise. This is the best it's going to get. You know, they move over here, they want the luxury, they want to live in nice houses, because this is the best that they are gonna get. They're not gonna get anything better than this. This is Jannatul ma'wah for these people. But for the believer, Sijinun Yadiqu bi al-iman. The person of faith, he feels like he is squeezed here. He doesn't ever feel happy here. He doesn't ever feel like this is good enough for him. Because he knows that what is coming, if he has this istiqama and he sticks to Islam and he does what he is commanded, then what is coming is going to be so, so, so much better than the best that you can imagine here. And I want to give you an example, in the hadith of al barab ibn Mu'azib radiallahu with regard to the taking of the soul of the believer. So I'm gonna go through it quickly because we don't have time. The believer's soul comes out like a drop of water from the edge of a water skin, and the angels shroud it in misk and take it to Jannah, and you know, then it's sent back to the earth, and it, it answers, you know, you answer the questions, you pass the test, the grave is opened as far as the eye can see, the smell of Jannah, the clothing of Jannah comes, and what does that person say in that state? He says, Oh Allah, hurry up and make the day of judgment come. This isn't, this is just not good enough. Clothing from Jannah, smell of Jannah, grave as wide as the eye can see, all these pleasures and all of this na'im. Quickly. Oh my Lord, quickly, quickly, quickly. Bring this Day of Judgment. I'm not, this is not good enough for me. This is just because why he knows, he knows that what is coming is going to be better than that. Just reflect upon what Allah said about those people. When many people, Allah described them. They're not going to have any khawf, any fear of what is coming. They're not scared about what is coming. They're not sad about what passed, they fulfilled their purpose in life. And so the Day of Judgment comes and the Day of Judgment is 50,000 years in length. And in that 50,000 years, how quick does it pass? It passes like the time between what? Between Dhuhr and Asr. Between Dhuhr and Asr, gone. The time so quick in this space. And all the time everything is getting better and better and better and better. Sure there are some scary moments. There is that time when Allah will cover his believing slave in private, and there is nobody there except between you and Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, Didn't you do this sin? 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 And the person will say, yes, my Lord, I did it, I did it, all of them I did it. And he will confess to each individual sin and then Allah will say, or the person will say, what will he say? He will say, I've had it, I'm gone. You know, I've been destroyed. Look at all of these sins that I've done. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to him, that I'm going to forgive you for them today. I'm going to forgive you those sins today, because like I concealed them for you in the dunya, I will conceal them for you here, and I have forgiven you for them today. So you even when it looks like it's a scary moment, the next high is even higher than the previous high. How high? You'll take your book in your right hand, and run out to the people saying, "Ha أُمُقَرَأُوا Come and read it, read everything I've done, read my book. Come and read everything I've done. <laughs> I knew, I understood that I was going to meet my account. One day Allah was going to take me to account. And the scholars have a lot of different opinions about the book and about the bad deeds. Perhaps they will be erased completely because some of them said that when the good deed erases the bad, it erases it, I mean completely, from your book of deeds. And some said, uh, that it remains in the book, but that it is replaced, or that it is supplemented with a good deed. And there's a lot of, a lot of different opinions on this topic. But the point is, that there is nothing in it but good. There's nothing left but good. And you're running around telling people, "Ha o kitabia. Come and read my book. Come and read my book. Because of what you prepared for it, in this life. And You know that we can summarize Jannah in this way. If you want to summarize Jannah, you can summarize Jannah like this. You can say that this life is action without reward. It's action, it's amalun. You know, without reward, without, without the pleasure, without everything. It's not everything that you do that you get a huge reward for in this dunya. And as for Jannah, Jannah is reward with no action. So it's the reverse of this world. And you know, just one more thing, you know, even though I, I would love to read you this whole poem, but it's just so long, it takes an hour and a half to read in full. But it's so beautiful. One thing that Ibn al-Qayyim says about the people of this dunya, that there are some people of this dunya, he says, harabu minar riqqil lahu, and this is a beautiful line. He says that they ran away from the slavery that they were created for. And what did they do? They exchanged it for what? Slavery to the nafs and slavery to the shaitan. And that's the reality. You have to decide what you're working for, what you're aiming for. If it's Jannah that you're aiming for, then you have to submit to the slavery that you were created for. You were created to be a servant of Allah. You were created to worship Allah, to be from Ibadur Rahman, the servants, the slaves of Ar-Rahman. You were created for a certain kind of slavery. And everybody lives in this dunya in slavery. Everyone, as Ibn al-Qayyim said, everyone lives in this dunya in slavery. Either you are a slave to Allah or you're a slave to your nafs or you're a slave to the shaitan. And so to get this jannah also, we have to also understand that we have to, we have to fight against the shaitan and we have to fight against our nafs. We have to fight against our nafs. Because our nafs is... Like, I've described it before, you know, like a car without a, when the wheels are not balanced. So it keeps going this way. Every time you make it go straight, it, it goes off in the other direction. Every time you keep it on the straight road, it turns off. You have to forcefully keep it on the straight road. It's like a broken, you know, a car with a broken wheel. All the time it's turning left. Every time it's turning left. You're trying to keep it straight and it's turning left you have to fight against that to be from one of these people. And like I said, I just wanted to start by talking about the dunya because I want you to be in the right frame of mind. I want you to, to see this dunya as it deserves to be seen. It's called the dunya for a reason. Why is it called the dunya? Because it's the lowest. You know, it's the lowest and it's the insignificant and it's the name of it is a name that is insignificant, a dunya. You know, something... Deni. it's just low, and just, you know, it's not, it doesn't have any worth, except as a place of good deeds for you to strive towards this, for you to strive towards Jannah. And I wanted to begin describing Jannah by just describing a generic concept. A generic concept, which Allah told us about, in the Quran, qaloo, thum, alla wa Allah tells us about those people who stand firm upon Islam. They mean steadfast upon Islam. They say our Lord is Allah and then they remain steadfast. The angels descend. And the scholars mention the descending of the angels in three and sometimes four places from those they mention at the time of death when the people are raised up from the graves and when the believers enter Jannah. These are from the times that the angels come and they say, ان تَخَافُوا Don't worry about what's coming. la تَحْزَنُوا Don't be scared about what past. Or don't be sad about what's past. Take glad tidings of a paradise that you have been promised. And then they say what? They say, we were your allies. نَحْنُ we, we are your allies. In this life and in the Akhirah. And what about the Akhirah? وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا What you'll have in it? مَا تَشْتَهِي أَنفُسُكُمْ وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا you will have in it whatever your soul craves for. So the first thing we see about Jannah in the description of Jannah, that whatever your soul craves for, you will have it in Jannah. And you know sometimes people come and they say, you know, but what about this in Jannah? What about this? Allah didn't tell us about this. Allah didn't tell us about this. The women, our sisters in Islam, they say Allah didn't tell us about our situation sometimes, don't worry. You are gonna get the best of the best because Allah Jalla said you will have what your soul desires. So many times in this dunya, you refrain from desire. You keep back from desire. You're always told, you know, to keep away from your desires, your shahawat, always keeping away, keeping away. In Jannah, your desires are all waiting for you. And whatever you have been promised, Nuzulan, min Ghafur ar Rahim as an accommodation, as a, a gift, as something which is prepared from or by Al Rafur, the most merciful Al-Rahim, the bestower, or the most the oft forgiving and the bestower of mercy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared it. Some of the scholars they said, Nuzulan, this is what you prepare for your guest. You know, Nuzul, this is what you prepare for your, for your guest. When you have a guest that is coming and you prepare the best, you know, the best layout, everything is ready, the food is ready, the place is ready, the place to stay is ready. This is what Allah Azza has prepared for His believing servants. And this leads us to another point, a point of aqeedah, That paradise and hellfire have already been created. They've already been prepared, they're already there, ready and waiting for the believers to enter into paradise and for the disbelievers to enter into the hellfire. So they've already been created. And when they were created, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Jibreel to go and look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created, this paradise that Allah had created, and he went. And when he saw it and he saw how amazing this is, this is No eye has seen it, no ear has ever heard it. And it's it's never occurred to the heart or to the mind of anybody. Nobody's ever even thought of what could be in Jannah. And Jibreel goes and sees Jannah. And he comes back and he says that He believes that everyone, because of how amazing it is, everyone will enter it. But then he is told to go again, and when he goes again, he sees that Allah has surrounded it with what? With hardships. With difficulties. With problems. With hard work. To the point that Jibreel says, that I fear that perhaps, nobody will enter. Perhaps none of you, or none of them will enter into this paradise because of all of the hardships that it contains. So we understand that it's something that's being created by Allah Azza wa Jal, and it is waiting there for the believers at this moment in time. It has been created, it is waiting there for the believers. And then we come to describe some of the features of paradise. So the first thing is how do you get into paradise? You get into paradise through one of eight gates. Each gate is associated with a major action from the huge actions and the major issues, the major sort of good deeds of Islam. We know that there are certain gates, as Ibn Qayyim said, We know that the the highest of them is the gate of Jihad. We know that there is the gate of Psalm, the gate of fasting. We know that there are these gates of Jannah. We know that there are eight of them. And we know that the gap between each gate, or sorry, the gap between the, the, the posts, if you like, I don't know if post is the right word, but the edges of each gate, the gap between the edges of each gate is 40 years, meaning it would take you 40 years to walk from one end of it to the other end of the gate. Just the gate, the door, would take you 40 years to walk from one end of it to the other side of it. And there will come a time on the day of judgment when the crowds are thronging at the door, they are pushing at the door and there's no space for the people to get through. Eight doors with 40 years in between how I mean you can't you you can't calculate that in miles but just to give you you know just to give you a concept how long how far could you walk in 40 years that's a huge it's it's an incomprehensible distance and yet on the day of judgment crowds pushing because of the number of people trying to get into these gates these eight gates of paradise and then when you enter into these gates of paradise, so how is the earth? How is the, how is the land? First of all, the earth is white. But it's not just plain white. It's a beautiful white. Bear in mind that the light is not coming from the sun. They're not going to see any sun. There's no sun. Where is the light coming from in the first place? The light is coming from the throne of Ar-Rahman. The light is coming from the throne of Ar-Rahman. And it's lighting up a paradise that the first thing you notice when you go in that it's neither hot nor cold. No shams, no zamharira. It's not like, it's not cold, it's not hot. There's no kind of like hot and cold. It's a perfect temperature. And the earth is white, but it's not just white because we don't suffice ourselves just with this white earth. It's decorated with zafran and misk and yakut. It's decorated with saffron and with misk. You imagine walking down a path where the gap in between the the stones of the path, that the pebbles are all all of the path is made out of beautiful jewels, out of pearls. And out of beautiful jewels, the path is all made out of these pearls and jewels. And the gap where you would put cement is made out of saffron and musk. The smell is the smell of musk. And the sight is the sight of of saffron. But you know what's really even more amazing about this is that the saffron is not the saffron of this dunya, and the musk is not the musk of this dunya, and the pearls are not the pearls of this dunya. Because like Ibn Abbas said, there is nothing in Jannah of that which is in this world except for names. The only thing that exists in Jannah that is the same as this world are the names. So this is saffron like you've never seen before. مَا Ra'at, رَاءَتْ You've never seen it before, your eyes have never laid, you could never imagine, even if you imagine the most beautiful saffron, you can imagine it will not be anything as beautiful as the saffron in Jannah. And the pearls will not be like the pearls of this dunya. A resemblance only, a, a name that gives you a feeling, a remembrance. But they're far, far, far better than anything you can imagine. And then you walk for a while. And when you're walking for a while, you find you know where you're going. Because the Prophet said that you will know your place in Jannah like you know your house in this dunya. The same like you know your house in this dunya, the same you know how where you live and you know where your house is, you will know where your your place is in Jannah. So what are we expecting? Four bedroom apartments, three bedroom apartments? A villa with a few gardens? Now Allah. A palace whose bricks are made from gold and silver. A palace. And when I say a palace, you know, we are told that the, 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 the least of the, the dominion of one of the people of Jannah is 2,000 years i.e two thousand years to get from one side of your property to the other side of your property. The palace is made of gold and silver bricks. But what is waiting for you in the palace? To know what's inside? From the things that Allah told us, by the way, beside this palace there is a tent. but this tent, it is made out of the. The shell, like the shell of a pearl. You know when you get a pearl in a shell and you crack the shell open, and you have like the shell. This is how the tent is described. And it's described as being 60 miles long. This tent that is huge, this huge, huge, huge tent. And what is in this palace and in this tent? And this brings us to the the beginning of the poem of Ibn al-Qayyim. And you know, he says, and, and we'll quote, of course we'll quote the ayat as well. When Allah Azzawajal tells us about what he has prepared for us in this, in this villa, in this huge palace, in this tent. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala tells us about the Hur, the Hur al ain And you know, how do you even begin to describe the Hur First of all, Allah Azza created them with His own hand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them directly. Now Allah creates directly many things, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates things indirectly. Indirectly meaning, for example, like us now, we are, you know, we are children, we're born to a mother and father. That's still Allah's creation, but Allah creates us indirectly. But Allah has created these who directly to the, you know, the, like they say, the best specification, the best possible, you know, you can't imagine. But just to give you an idea of the Hur. First of all, this word Hur. Een, by the way, means, uh, you know, Hur, it means like a maiden or a fair, beautiful woman. And Al-Een, Al-Een is the plural of a word which means wide-eyed. They have, they have wide eyes. And one of the things, I mean just to give you a summary of just how the Hurr'in are, that if one of them were to look over onto this world, the entire world would be filled with light. And her khimar, her headscarf, her, you know that the, the, the veil that she wears over her head is better than the dunya and everything that is in it. And not just one, by the way. I mean, one is not enough, not just one. The least of the people of Jannah will be married to two of the Hurl'in. But you know, we're not interested in the least. Well, the least doesn't interest us. We want the most. 72 of the Hurl'in. Over 70 of the Hurl'in. Prepared for who? For the believers, for the people who kept themselves. Like we talked about. Those people who, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِفُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِظُونَ Those people who kept themselves chast in this dunya, they didn't go out looking, they didn't go out seeking, they didn't go out committing haram. And Allah Azza wa Jal prepared for them the hurray. You know, these beautiful, wide-eyed virgins, and Allah Azza wa mentions, Inna and Sha'na we have created them a direct creation, a, a magnificent creation. Wajaalna abakara Uruban Atrabah Li We have made them into virgins, not just into virgins, by the way, but Allah Azza wa as He mentioned, no man, no jinn has ever touched them, has ever had any intimacy with them. They have been created, each one of them for their husband specifically. And Allah عز mentions them, Hurun they don't lift their eyes up to any other man. They were made only for this one particular man who is going to be from the people of Jannah. You know, this one individual custom tailored for this person. They do not lift their eyes up to look at anyone else. They have no desire for anyone other than that one man that they were created by Allah for that man. And when the person goes to them in the tent, in this tent, the tent is so huge that no other one will see the other. You, none, you, know, you don't have this problem of them running into each other, you know. One of them will not see the other one. Because of the vastness of the dominion of this person from the people of Jannah. And not only that, but he will also be married to his wife if he has one from the wife, or if he has more than one from the wife of this or the wives of this dunya that he was married to. And let, let's not forget the ladies as well, because we shouldn't. You know, sometimes we talk about the Hur and you know, talk about the fact that they, you know, they have this this amazing skin that you can see. It's like translucent. You can see almost see through it. You know, and you can you can imagine how that is because you can see kind of. I mean, you can't imagine how it is, but you can you can understand what is meant because you see someone who's very very fair. You know, if you see a you know sort of a girl who's very very fair, and you can almost see the veins and the you know, th- coming through the skin. This, you know, woman, we talk about the hur, and then, you know, sometimes the sisters start feeling, well, <coughs> what about us? And we keep saying, don't ever think evil of Allah. Don't ever think that Allah will give you less than you desire. You know, this dunya is a dunya of competition. <laughs> You're always, you know, competing with each other. And, you know, there's competition for love, there's competition for, you know, among co-wives, there's competition, there's a feeling of kind of, you know, this is just, you know, I'm, this is not kind of, uh, sort of uh, people competing against each other and wanting to better one another. That's the meaning of al hakum al takathur You know, you're trying competing against each other, who can be better? But that doesn't exist in Jannah. we We've taken away from what was in their hearts, from their sudur from their quroob. We have taken the ghil. We have taken the, this jealousy and this hatred and this, all of this horrible feeling. We've just taken it out of their hearts. So the jannah that Allah Azza wa Jal has made for the Muslim woman is the best that could ever be made. It's not like the hur make it, you know, like, well, it's, it would be great if it wasn't for the hur. It's not like that. Allah Azza wa has made it absolutely perfect for everyone. And yes, Allah Azza has told the men about the Hur. Why? Because men are men. And you know, men have a temptation sometimes to have a wandering eye and have a look at what is across the road. And you know, maybe have a look at what is on the internet and have a look at this and have a look at that. So Allah Azza wants to give you something that you can strive for that is better than that, that is more motivating. That you want, you want to say, no, I'm going to cover my gaze because I've got some ladies waiting for me in in Jannah. So Allah knows the situation of the man and knows what they need and knows that this motivation is needed. But the woman, she should not be, she should not feel that she is being shortchanged because Allah يظلم يظلم Your Lord does not oppress anybody. So this is just to describe, you know, what is waiting in this palace, but at the same time, you know you need some features on the land. One of the features of Jannah that is amazing is what Allah says tajri min tahtihim him al anhar, that the rivers will flow underneath them. Allah doesn't say rivers will flow beside them, but that rivers will flow underneath them. So you're imagining like, it's as though you're walking over these rivers. And we don't know how this is. We don't know exactly how this happens. And this is something that Allah Azzawajal knows best. But the rivers run underneath. And we should talk about the rivers. There are four rivers we are told about. The first is a river of leban, of milk. But this milk, it has a unique quality its taste doesn't change. You know, it doesn't go sour. It doesn't go, you know, give you a horrible taste at the end. It's the most pure, satisfying milk that you can imagine. And then there is a river of water. And this river of water is pure and and sweet and tasty for the one who drinks it. Like the most, you can't, I mean, because it's not the water of this dunya, you can't imagine how it is. And then there is a river of The purest honey. And then there is a river of khamar. A river of alcohol, of wine. But this wine doesn't make you get drunk. It doesn't give you a hangover. It doesn't make you do embarrassing things. It doesn't make you feel ill the next morning. It doesn't make you feel sick. Because why? You gave up. Look at how it works. You gave up wine in this dunya. You didn't drink wine in this dunya so that you could drink it in the akhirah. You didn't, you know, you didn't go out and do those major haram actions that people do so that you can enjoy yourself and have fun in Jannah. You know, it's all about waiting. It's all about sabr. It's all about iman. It's all about realizing what's there waiting for you. And as we said, the weather is neither hot nor cold. لا يرون فيها شمسا ولا It's not gonna be, there's no sun gonna be beating down on you. And there's no, uh, there's no cold, you're never gonna feel cold. And then of course we should talk about the food. The food of the people of paradise. There are many, many kinds of food of the people of paradise that is mentioned. From the food of the people of paradise, it's mentioned there, the trees and the, the fruits of the trees. The first thing you should know about the trees is that their trunks are made of gold. The tree trunk is made of gold. And the other thing is you don't have to reach to get the fruit. You don't have to ever reach out your hand to get the fruit. The fruit comes to you. You don't have to stoop down or to reach up. You just put out your hand and the fruit comes to your hand from the tree. And the thing about the fruit is this. You imagine living for eternity, you're gonna get bored of bananas every day. Okay? So Allah tells us about the fruit of the people of Jannah, that it is fruit that appears to be like the fruit. It has a resemblance like the fruit that they have had in the dunya, or like the fruit that they know. But every time they taste it, it's something different. Every time they taste this fruit, it's something completely different. And they say, This is what we were given before. They say, This is what we were being given before. This is the fruit we were given before. It looks similar, but it tastes something completely, completely different. And Allah talks about the, the meat. And the meat will come from these birds, from the birds of paradise. And this beautiful meat that will come and all of this, you know, whatever you can imagine. And then you come to who is going to serve you the meat and who is going to serve you the drinks. So, you know, you, while, you're, while you're relaxing there, you want someone to serve you the drinks. Someone to come and you know, you, you have a constant personal butler who is just serving you drinks all day. These are the ghilman. Ghilman wa These... Young boys, youthful boys who were only created from the people of paradise. They are not like, you know, some people get the, you know, some people get to work, you know. They're not from this dunya. They were created from the people of paradise. And they, these young boys, these youthful boys will go around serving you drink. Glasses of wine, glasses of, you know, this, these be- from these beautiful rivers, and this food, this birds that, that from the birds of Jannah, they're not from the birds of this dunya, they're from the birds of Jannah. And this fruit that keeps changing in taste, even though it resembles what you were given before. And you imagine living in that kind of life, and you imagine having whatever you can, you can imagine. But then, you know, when you're picturing yourself living there, you might picture yourself as you. You might picture yourself as, as you, how you are now, but you're not going to be like you are now. The first thing is the age of the people of Jannah. The age of the people of Jannah is a middle age, like, like 33, 33 years old. You know, it's an age of you know, you're in the prime of your youth, but you're not a young, you know, you're like, you're not a young boy or girl, you know, you're in the in the peak of your, in the peak of your strength, in the peak of your youth. And as for your appearance, we will return in terms of height, to the height of Adam, alayhis salam, of 60, I think, cubits, they call it, something like that. And the wit is narrated in, I think, Musnad al-Imam Ahmed, as being seven. And in any case, you can imagine that a person is gonna be, you're gonna be different. And in terms of the beauty, the beauty will be, it says Allah has returned you to the most beautiful, or has cre- sort of changed you. To the most beautiful image, you know, you're going to get fat people and thin people, and you know, sort of like different sort of uh, body shapes and sizes, but that everyone will be created in the best or refashioned in the best possible image. They will be Mukhah al Ainain. They will have kuhl, this dark sort of the the, the kuhl, on there on their eyes. And there, you know, they will have this, this beautiful hair. It's described as a ja'ad, a sha'ar. You know, this hair that is kind of this sort of straight and, you know, sort of beautiful hair. And that they will not have, there will not be any beards. You know, you can grow your beard in this dunya, but your beard is not coming with you in the akhirah. Uh, and that they will be, that they will not have, not have a beard and you imagine that as beautiful the ladies, you, know, you imagine that as beautiful as the Hur are, none of them will compare to the wife or to one of the believing women of paradise. So subhanallah, you have this, you know, you have this complete change, this complete different life. And the things that you see in it and the, you know, the, the things that you experience in terms of as we've said, you know, all of these different, uh, uh, these different things. But you know, when we're talking about all of these different things in Jannah, we've already talked about a few. I mean, I can, the, the, like I said, the poem that we have here, al-Qayyim's poem, it takes an hour and a half to read it. In the description of the people of Paradise, it's huge, I and mean, there's so much to say. But while you're enjoying this, and I just want you to sort of imagine, you know, you're. You can't imagine because whatever you imagine, it's going to be better than you imagine. But you're relaxing in paradise, and you're being served all of this beautiful food. You know, every now and again, you go off to see one of the hur al come back, you get more food. You know, you you have this huge dominion. You know, you have all of these people around you. You know, you're able to 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 see and to and to, and to meet the people who you love, the people who you have. You know you have been desperate to meet in your you know in, in this world that you weren't able to meet those people like our Messenger sallallahu Alaihi wasallam and the companions Radhi Anhum, the believers together. But then you imagine in all of this, in all of this time, Allah calls out to the people of paradise and he asks them, is there anything else that you want? Can I get you anything? You know, is there do you want for anything? Is there anything you're missing in paradise when you're doing all of these things, you're enjoying yourself? And they say that, you know, oh Allah, you've brightened our faces. You saved us from the hellfire. And all of the things that they've given, there's nothing more that they could want. And then Allah جل, gives them the greatest ni'mah from the ni'am of Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uncovers the veil that is between Him and between His creation, and they look at the face of their Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when they look at the face of Allah, they forget everything that is in Jannah. Everything that is in Jannah, they comp- it, it's just gone, it pales in comparison. I mean, to give you the example of Jannah, I mean, we said Jannah is a hundred levels, the distance between each level of paradise or the gap, the, the difference in, in the pleasures is like the difference between the heavens and the earth. And then you imagine that you're at the top, you're at, you know, you're at the highest level and you're enjoying all of this pleasure and this bounty and this wonderful, these wonderful things and then you look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uncovers the veil that is between him and between these believing servants and they look at the face of Allah Azzawajal. وَجُوهُ يَوْمَئِذٍ إِلَى رَبِّهَا And then they forget everything from the pleasures of Jannah it just pales in comparison to looking at Allah Azzawajal. How often will the believers be able to look at Allah Azzawajal, in Jannah as for those, or as for most of the people of Jannah, then we know that they will see Allah Azza wa Jalla on the day of Jum'ah. They will see Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And as for the people of Al-Fardaus, and I've I've done some research on this, and the Hadith has a weakness in it. There is no there is no authentic Hadith that specifically says this. But it's been mentioned by many of the scholars, uh, and many of them have uh, in their books of Aqeedah, in their books of the description of Jannah, it has, a, it has some weight to it, even if it, it doesn't have an authentic hadith, but you feel there is weight because of the sheer number of the scholars who mentioned this, that the people of Jannah til Firdaus will see Allah Azza wa twice every single day. That is what you get for being at the highest level of paradise. And just describe Firdaus for a second, you know, just to to give us, and we don't have, you know, time goes. But just to describe Jannatul Firdaus just for a second. Jannatul Firdaus is the middle part of Jannah and the highest part of Jannah, and the rivers of Jannah come from it. It's the source of the rivers that flow down to the lower, the lower parts of Jannah. And so the rivers, they, they, they flow down from Al Firdaus, but I don't think the most amazing thing about Firdaus is the rivers going down, but it's what's above. Because the roof of Al-Firdaus is the Arsh of Ar-Rahman. The roof of Al-Firdaus is the Arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you imagine that? You can't, you, I mean, you can't imagine, you, you keep saying, but you can't imagine looking up to see the Arsh of Allah Azzawajal. And then seeing Allah again and again and again and again. And you know, you get back into Jannah and all of the beauty and all of the pleasures and all of the, you know, infinitely different things that happen because Jannah is not boring. It's not the same thing every time. Things change. Everything is changing all the time. مُتَشَّابِهَا They're given things that are similar, but they're not the same. And then you imagine that you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything just disappears from your mind. Because there is nothing that can ever compare to looking at the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The greatest pleasure from all of the pleasures of Jannah. And you know that is why perhaps one of the greatest punishments that is given to the disbelievers Yawmu Qiyamah, That on that day there will be a barrier between them and between Allah. So they will not be able to look at Allah in the way that the believer will be able to look at Allah and take that pleasure and that, and that, that sort of unimaginable experience. They will not be able to do it. Instead, they will be mahjubun. They will be concealed. You know, what is between them and what is between Allah I had so many other points to mention about Jannah and about the description of Jannah and the levels of Jannah and the you know, the the uh, the different things with regard to Jannah. But there's one particular part that I wanted to conclude with. And this is another part of what Ibn al-Qayyim said, with regard to the keys that open the door to Jannah. Because, you know, it's wonderful for us just to listen, and, you know, I encourage you to read more on the topic, because it's just such a huge topic, but... If we, you know, we talk about Jannah, we talk about the description of Jannah and how wonderful it is, how amazing it is. But at the end of the day, what matters right now is how we get the key to open the door. And Ibn qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions this in a really beautiful way that really might, you know, uh, it explains it, I think, in an absolutely beautiful way. He says, هذا وفتح الباب ليس بممكن الا بمفتاح على اسنان مفتاحه بشهاده الاخلاص والتوحيد تلك شهاده الايمان اسنانه الاعمال وهي شرائع الاسلام والمفتاح بالاسنان لا تلغين هذا المثل وهذا المثال فكم به من حل اشكال لذي العرفان Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, you know we're talking about these doors, he's talking about these doors of Jannah, these huge gates of Jannah, and he says, you should know that you can't open the door, Lay It's not possible for you to open the door, except with a key, and the key has teeth. You know that when you have, a, imagine a big old-fashioned key, and the key has, the key has teeth. He says, that the key, is shahadatul ikhlas, wat tawheed. This statement, la ilaha illallah, muhammadur rasulullah. This is the key that gets you in. Nobody gets in without that. Nobody gets in without tawheed. The only people from the people of Jannah are the people of tawheed. The people who worshipped Allah azza wa jal alone and didn't make any partner with him. As for those people who made a partner with him, Inna la an بِهِ Allah doesn't forgive that you make a partner with him. This statement of ikhlas, this statement of La ilaha illallah, the action of worshiping Allah alone—that when you make du'a, you make du'a to Allah alone, and when you pray, you pray to Allah alone, and when you fast, you fast for Allah alone, and when you fear, you fear Allah alone, and when you love, you love Allah alone—and you imagine that this is the key that opens the door but the key doesn't open the door unless the key has the teeth on it. And the teeth, they are the actions that represent the shara'i those famous symbols of Islam. And Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, don't forget this example, because it removes so much confusion in the minds of the people for the person who has knowledge of it. And it does. Because a lot of people say, well surely if I have La Ilaha Illallah, I've got the key. But you don't have, the key doesn't open the door unless it has teeth. And the teeth of the key is acting upon that shahada. Acting upon the shara'i of Islam, the prayer, the zakah, going out and calling the people to Allah Azza This is the shape that gives the key, it's shape to be able to open the door. You don't enter Jannah directly because of your deeds, i.e. a one-to-one exchange. Look, I brought some good deeds, I'm here to exchange them for Jannah. Because your good deeds are not enough. It's like coupons. You know, you come with these coupons and someone says to you, you don't have enough coupons, I'm sorry, you, you can't get in. You don't have enough good deeds to enter Jannah. None of us do. Because if you take the best of us and the best of their good deeds and you compare it to the blessings of Allah, you just, you know, the one of the blessings of Allah outweighs all of those good deeds that you did. But those good deeds, they form the teeth of the key. They form the reason for the mercy of Allah. Allah Jalla gives you His mercy because of the fact that you have done these good deeds and you've strived for Allah, you get the mercy of Allah, which basically says, even though you failed the exam, because you tried hard, I'm gonna let you in. Even though you failed. And trust me, every one of us is guaranteed to fail. In terms of the direct one-to-one comparison, you cannot do enough to get Jannah. But what you can do, and the only thing you can do, is to strive hard enough for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to shower you with His mercy, according to those good deeds that you have done. So those good deeds are, the, are a cause, they're a sabab for entering paradise, but it's not a direct cause, it's not like it's direct, it's indirect. You do them, by them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards you and has mercy on you and overlooks your shortcomings and enters you into and enters you into paradise because of that. And if you imagine this key with the teeth, the basic shape of the key is with La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but the key has teeth. And if you have a key without teeth, you're not opening the door. And the teeth that form the part of the key, that is the actions and the shara'i, the open and the famous actions, the famous uh, sort of symbols of Islam, the greatest of which is the prayer. And if you think about it, we have already gotten evidence that the prayer is the greatest one of them because of why? Suratul Mu'minun, it begins with Those people who are observant and they have that khushu' in their prayer. But not just that, it finishes. وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ عَلَى صَلَوَاتِهِمْ يُحَافِظُونَ Those people who they guard their prayers. So subhanAllah, you have the beginning and the end of this success. And this entering into Jannah, the beginning of it is the prayer and the end of it is the prayer. And like I said, I have, you know, I could go on for a long time, but I'm looking at the clock and thinking, we've already gone on for a long time. And this is just, you know, something to interest you. Something to make you go home and, and uh, you know, Friday night reflections, we don't give you, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours and, and books and things like that. But it's there to inspire you, to make you think, wow, you know, I want to learn more. Because I haven't even scratched the surface yet. I've just given you some of the main points. But there are lots and lots and lots. No, you know, go out there and look, learn, read about Jannah, read about the hellfire, read about the actions that take you there, and then do the actions that take you there. Go out there and, and make a commitment that if that's where I want to build my home, then I better start investing in it. And you know, we always talk about this, al-istithmar, you know, we always talk about, I don't know if you know. people are always talking about istithmar, always talking about investing. Invest in this, invest in this, buy a property here and invest in this. Invest in a property in Jannah. Put your time together, put your effort together, and invest yourself in that. Because this is this is the this is the best kind of sale that you can make. Like Allah tells the believers, bih." Take glad tidings because of this deal you made. You just made a deal. You sold yourself for Jannah. What an excellent deal that is. You sold yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in submission. You gave up yourself, you gave up your wealth, you gave up your effort, your life, your time, everything for Allah For the sake of Jannah. Take light tidings for this Sale that you made because you made an excellent, excellent business investment if you sold yourself for this Jannah So invest in it. Think about all the ways you can build a house in Jannah Whoever builds for Allah جل, A masjid Allah builds him for, for him a house in Jannah Not one whole masjid, even a part of a masjid Even a brick of a masjid You know we talk about saying these words Subhanallah alhamdulillah and la ilaha illallah and you planting for yourself a tree in Jannah and all you can develop your own property your own future in Jannah and think how long you're gonna be there you know if someone says you know I'm I'm planning to be here for the next 20 years I should buy a property I'm planning to be in Jannah forever so I think I should really consider what kind of a property I'm gonna have there where is it gonna be because I want it in the top place I don't want it in the middle I don't want it in the bottom I want it in the the best real estate, the best land, the best position, and the best possible property, and the most beautiful trees, and the most beautiful land. And it's all based on the deeds that you do. It's all based on these things that you do. So this is the end of our topic on قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ on Surah al It's the end of our topic insha'Allah. And bi ta'ala, we'll go back to the usual format of a one-off lecture. So the week after next, what we will do is, we'll kind of just do a one-off, just sort of a a topic on one topic, and then we'll conclude. We don't normally do a series, but we just happen to do one on this topic. I think it's a nice topic to finish on. It's a nice thing to, to motivate us for. And always, always, always remember that you can only get it by making dua to Allah. Because at the end of the day, all of us are falling well, well short. All of us, you know, we talk about getting the highest place in Jannah, but to be honest, we're not doing enough to get the lowest place. So the only thing that we have to raise us up to that level is to make dua to Allah to ask Allah subhanahu wa taala by His perfect names and attributes to make us from the people of Jannah to ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to make us from the seventy thousand who enter Paradise without hisab and without adab, to ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to forgive us our sins to save us from the hellfire, to ask Allah to raise us yomu Qiyamah with the prophets and the martyrs and the righteous. And what an excellent group of companions they are. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atuku ilaik.
1: Are you tired of all these annoying ads on YouTube? Are you worried that a haram video might pop up? Well, the One Islam TV app is here to solve these problems, inshaAllah. The One Islam TV app is 100% free of any ads and is safe to browse for your peace of mind. Watch or listen to lectures and lessons while you work, rest, or drive with your device switched off. Watch videos on demand or download videos and watch offline. Watch hundreds of high quality produced Islamic reminders, Quran learning videos, stories of the prophets, and so much more. Two to four new videos uploaded daily, insha'Allah. One Islam TV is 100% run and owned by Muslims, which means a small amount you pay for your subscription is a sadaqah jariya continuous charity for you. As we use the funds raised to continue producing more beneficial videos and reminders, insha'Allah the one islam tv app is now available on apple devices apple tv android devices android tv amazon fire tv and roku so you can watch on most devices and smart tvs download now for a free seven day trial may allah reward you for supporting our work